This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Tonight, did the president mislead the country early on about the seriousness of the coronavirus threat? It's the president, in his own words, a new book based on nine hours of recorded interviews in which he admits six months ago he knew how deadly the virus was and that it was airborne. Tonight, we hear the tapes. I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Only on CBS News, the bombshell 60 Minutes interview with Scott Pelley. President Trump responds, and so does Joe Biden. It's a dereliction of duty. It's a disgrace. Also breaking news tonight, the former chief of intelligence at the Department of Homeland Security says he was repeatedly asked to conceal the threat of white supremacist groups and new warnings of Russian election interference. Wildfires in the West. California's sky glows orange. This is San Francisco in the middle of the day. 14,000 firefighters in an unprecedented battle as California shuts down every national park. And take a look at Oregon from space, ablaze with at least 35 active fires. The state's governor tonight. We expect to see a great deal of loss. We're learning new details about why that major vaccine trial was halted as one of America's biggest cities sets rules on how to celebrate Halloween in a pandemic. And badge of honor. We introduce you to the Arizona team who is on track to become one of the first female Eagle Scouts. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with breaking news, dramatic recordings of President Trump in February, privately acknowledging he knew the coronavirus could be transmitted through the air and was five times more deadly than the flu, even as he was publicly saying it wasn't. The blockbuster recordings are just some of the revelations in the new book Rage by Bob Woodward, which contradict the president's statements to the American people and tonight are threatened to threatening to upend his reelection campaign. Now, Woodward, the legendary journalist who broke the Watergate story, says President Trump cooperated with his reporting during 18 on the record interviews between December and July. But tonight, the president is calling the book a political hit job and saying he only downplayed the danger from the virus because he didn't want to create a panic, while his rival Joe Biden is calling the decision to withhold information a life and death betrayal of the American people. Now, as we come on the air tonight, the coronavirus has killed more than 190,000 here in the U.S., and there have been more than 6.3 million confirmed cases nationwide. So as you can see, there's a lot of reporting to get to tonight, including Bob Woodward's first interview about this new book with 60 Minutes. But we're going to begin tonight at the White House, where CBS's Ben Tracy is going to lead off our coverage. Good evening, Ben. Nora, good evening. The White House is in full-on damage control mode tonight after these revelations about what the president knew and what he told the American people. And it's all on tape. President Trump told Bob Woodward on February 7th, before any known American deaths from the virus, that he knew COVID-19 was airborne and a deadly threat. You just breathe the air. That's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. This is deadly stuff. Three weeks later, President Trump told the American people a totally different story. It's a little like the regular flu that we have flu shots for. And we'll essentially have a flu shot for this in a fairly quick manner. Then on March 19th, with nearly 200 Americans dead, the president admitted to Woodward in audio obtained by The Washington Post that he deliberately misled the country about the danger. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with you, sure, I want you. To I be. wanted to, uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. Stay calm. Uh, it will go away. You know it. You know it is going away. The president knew in early February the virus was highly contagious, but on March 31st, with more than 5,000 Americans dead, he defended himself this way. I think the one thing nobody really knew about this virus was how contagious it was. It's so incredibly contagious, and nobody knew that. Today, President Trump claimed he was just being a good leader by not creating fear. And uh, certainly I'm not going to uh, drive uh, this country or the world into a frenzy. We want to show confidence. We want to show strength. We want to show strength as a nation. And that's what I've done, and we've done very well. The bombshell book titled Rage, published by Simon & Schuster, a division of Viacom CBS, is based in part on 18 on-the-record interviews the legendary journalist conducted with the president between December and July, apparently recorded with his knowledge. Woodward also writes that Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, called President Trump's leadership rudderless, said his attention span is like a minus number, and his sole purpose is to get reelected. Today, Fauci said he doesn't remember saying any of that. You know, you should ask others. I don't recall that at all. And Ben joins us now from the White House. And what are we learning about what the president said about some of the generals in his administration? 
Well, Nora, the book says that the president called top U.S. military leaders weak and said they were too concerned about our relationship with our allies. And during the time when President Trump was threatening to attack North Korea, the book says that General Jim, James Mattis, his first secretary of defense, went to the National Cathedral several times to pray for the nation under President Trump's command. The book also reveals that later on, after those two summits that President Trump and Kim Jong-un had, and they started exchanging letters, that President Trump was flattered that Kim Jong-un referred to him as Your Excellency. Nora? So many details in that book. Ben Tracy, thank you. And in his first interview this Sunday, 460 Minutes, Bob Woodward talks to Scott Pelley about his interviews with the president, including what Trump knew early on about just how deadly and infectious coronavirus was. In that February 7th interview, it's clear that the president knows what the stakes are, but he's not sharing that with the public at that time. Yes, this is the tragedy. A president of the United States has a duty to warn the public will understand that. But if they get the feeling that they're not getting the truth, then you're going down the path of deceit and cover-up. Well, you can see more of Scott Pelley's interview with Bob Woodward. That's this Sunday, only on 60 Minutes. Campaigning in the battleground state of Michigan today, Joe Biden seized on that news from the Woodward book and said President Trump, quote, knowingly and willingly lied to the American people. Biden called that a dereliction of duty. CBS's Ed O'Keefe is traveling with Biden in Michigan. Worse, he lied to the American people. Joe Biden today slammed President Trump for failing to tell the public how dangerous the coronavirus was when he knew otherwise, as revealed in Bob Woodward's new book. He had the information. He knew how dangerous it was. And while this deadly disease ripped through our nation, he failed to do his job on purpose. It was a life and death betrayal of the American people. Biden tied the president's handling of the pandemic and his decision to withhold information from the public to the current state of the economy. This is a recession created by Donald Trump's negligence, and he is unfit for this job as a consequence of it. Economic concerns are paramount here in Michigan. The state's lost about 60,000 manufacturing jobs since March. Biden is targeting white working class voters who helped Mr. Trump narrowly win here four years ago. Polls show the former vice president leading nationwide and in Michigan, but voters generally say the president is the better candidate to fix the economy. So Biden today went after his record. He's on track to be the first president since Herbert Hoover and the Great Depression to see the number of jobs in our economy go down, not up, while being president. Those job losses, of course, are because of the pandemic. In order to turn things around, Biden would tax companies that move at least some operations offshore and give a tax credit to companies that create jobs here in the U.S. We'll see if the president has anything to say about all this when he campaigns here in Michigan tomorrow. Nora. All right, Ed O'Keefe on the trail. Thank you. More breaking news now. Stunning allegations from a whistleblower at the Department of Homeland Security who says he was demoted for refusing to change intelligence reports. Now, in what he calls an abuse of power, the official claims he was ordered to suppress information that the president would not like. Now, that includes details about Russian election interference and the threat posed by white supremacists. Here's CBS's Jeff Pegues. The complaint alleges that the acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf and acting Director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Ken Cuccinelli ordered intelligence assessments be changed to fit President Trump's political rhetoric. Russia, Russia, Russia was a hoax. It was a total hoax. Brian Murphy, who oversaw the DHS Intelligence Division until last August, 
is quoted in the complaint alleging that he was told to cease providing intelligence assessments on the threat of Russian interference in the election and include reporting on the interference activities by China and Iran. And as violence in cities like Portland intensified this summer, Murphy says he was told to modify intelligence on white supremacy in a manner that made the threat appear less severe, as well as include information on the prominence of violent left-wing groups and Antifa. Mark Zaid is Murphy's attorney. Information pertaining to Russia and the analysis in the intelligence reports was downplayed in order to ensure uh, additional favorable information to President Trump, which was something Mr. Murphy said no, he would not do. Last week, Acting Secretary Wolf said a DHS intelligence report concerning Russia was withheld because it was poorly written. In his complaint, Murphy says that the pressure to change the intelligence came straight from the White House through National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. We just got a statement from the White House saying that O'Brien never sought to dictate such changes. Those are their words. DHS also got back to us with a statement saying that it flatly denies Murphy's claims. Dora. Some stunning charges there, Jeff Begays. Thank you. We're going to turn now to those exploding wildfires in the Pacific Northwest. Oregon's governor describes the conditions in her state as a once-in-a-generation firestorm. We're talking about 50-mile-an-hour gusts that are blasting flames across acres of dry tinder. Nearly 100 major fires are raging in almost a dozen western states. Entire towns have been wiped out in Oregon and Washington. And across the region, mass evacuations are underway and skies are eerily discolored from smoke and ash. CBS's Lilia Luciano reports tonight from Phoenix, Oregon. This is insane. Unrelenting, fires continuing to rage throughout Oregon, fueled by fierce winds not seen in a generation. Five communities leveled by fires. This could be the greatest loss of human lives and property due to wildfire in our state's history. Nearly three dozen wildfires so widespread they can be seen from space. The fire is moving so fast that some, like Adama Dai, had no way out except to drive through flames. It was pretty terrifying. Just the adrenaline was keeping us going. Parts of California remain under an ominous orange glow. This is the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco Airport in darkness at noon. As wildfires in the state continue to rage out of control, including this one looming in the foothills east of Los Angeles. In Washington, these were the images from the community of Malden just after flames raced through. Today, state officials toured the destruction. The clearing skies reveal almost nothing left standing. Back in Oregon, the destruction includes a nursing home in the devastated town of Phoenix, where 89-year-old Beth Hill barely escaped, leaving behind a lifetime of memories. Everything I own, all my pictures of my husband and me. Tonight, Washington state had its first reported fatality from a fire, and we're also learning that a 12-year-old boy and his grandmother were killed in a wildfire in northern Oregon. And right now, near Portland, more than half of Clackamas County is under a level three evacuation. That means evacuate immediately. Do not delay. Nora. So devastating for so many families. Lilia, thank you.
Today, the director of the National Institutes of Health disagreed with President Trump's assessment that a vaccine will be ready by Election Day, saying there's simply no way to make that kind of a prediction. And this as we're learning more about why the advanced trial of a promising vaccine was suddenly paused. Here's CBS's Nikki Batiste. There are sobering details tonight explaining why AstraZeneca abruptly halted its vaccine trial. According to STAT, a medical news website, one participant, a woman in the UK, reportedly became ill, but no word yet on whether it was caused by the vaccine. And there are still no answers on when a vaccine will be available. Certainly to try to predict whether it happens on a particular week before or after a particular date in early November is well beyond anything that any scientist right now could tell you and be confident that they know what they're saying. One particular date in late October is going to look a lot different in Los Angeles this year. The county saying there will be no trick-or-treating. But in New York City, once the epicenter of the virus, there's some good news. Indoor dining is set to return later this month. We're now announcing today that we can go to 25% of indoor dining with certain restrictions. Today's announcement means many restaurant owners like Usia's Nick Lovanos can bring back laid-off staff. We're thrilled. We're very excited. We've been waiting for this. We've been building up to this. And the staff is ready. And we're all, everyone's ready to get back to work. Indoor dining here in New York will only be at 25% capacity and it will have tight restrictions. Every customer will have their temperature checked and one person from each party will have to provide information for contact tracing. Meanwhile, the NFL kicks off its season tomorrow and for the most part, stands will be empty, but six teams are having limited fans. Nora? That's right. Football is back. Nikki Batiste, thank you. The Oscar goes to inclusion. Starting in 2024, films will have to meet at least two of four new diversity standards to be nominated for Best Picture. Those standards include having at least one main character or key supporting character who is a member of an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. The Academy also wants more diversity among crew members, marketing teams, and interns. Now, this is the culmination of a social justice campaign with the hashtag OscarSoWhite that began more than five years ago. Pope Francis practiced what he preached today. He made his first public appearance wearing a face mask, and he used hand sanitizer before urging his audience at the Vatican to look out for the health of others and themselves during the COVID pandemic. Francis did remove his mask during his remarks. His weekly Wednesday appearances resumed last week after being suspended for nearly six months. Campus is alive again with the sound of music at New Jersey's Montclair State University. After playing solo for the past six months due to the pandemic, the chorus and orchestra found a unique place to practice together. The seventh level of the school's parking garage. One member said the reunion brought tears during the very first piece that they started to play. Glad to see the band back together. A teenager from Arizona is about to join a very exclusive club as one of the few female Eagle Scouts. CBS's Jamie Yuka spoke to her about achieving this rare honor. 17-year-old Victoria Raider always looked up to her Eagle Scout father and brother. So when Boy Scouts of America allowed girls in, she joined. What was that like when girls were finally allowed? I was really excited about it. Girls being able to do the same activities, the same merit badges, the same amount of work. 
It not only paved her way into a troop in 2019, but allowed Raider to be part of the inaugural class of females to qualify to earn the prestigious rank of Eagle Scout, an honor only 6% of members have been able to achieve. I think it's a great honor to be able to do it. Being able to get to that rank means that you've really fully completed the program and you've gotten everything you could out of it. Besides completing outdoor skills, the teens must lead a service project. Raider guided a socially distanced team during the pandemic, building a bench in the Arizona mountains outside Phoenix. Why did you pick that as your project? I wanted to do something in the outdoors and really give back to the community and have something that definitely lasts. It's going to be here for a long time. Are you really proud of yourself? Yeah, I am proud of myself. Her father, Richard Raider, is proud too. I'm glad she was able to do Eagle just like all the boys and men for the last hundred years have been able to do. A historic honor led by family tradition. Jamie Yukis, CBS News, Los Angeles. And Victoria goes before the board for final approval in October, and we're certainly rooting for her. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, Lifetime on the Go, how a simulated village is helping children with special needs learn important skills. And a reminder that if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVRs so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Hope you have a good night. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay, and and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> I respond to quickly. Oh well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that does that doesn't count. <laughs> sure, I responded to everything because responding to you putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.